Very, very good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, like we've been introduced, my name is Reg. I was going to say my name is Sherry. That is not my name. That is, that's my wife's name. Uh, we've got two wonderful kids, Caleb Joshua, who is seven, and Eliza, who is four. They're not with us this morning, um, so we thought we would, can spend as much time with you as possible. And it's been an absolute honour and privilege laughing with you, sharing with you, dreaming with you. Your, the, your future is so, so bright. Um, and I want to thank God for the... The, the work that you are doing to share Jesus into a community that so desperately needs him. Uh, Sue said earlier that uh, God counts every uh, hair on your head. And I thought, man, I'm making this really easy for God, aren't I? <laughs> Just, it's nothing. Uh, but it's good uh, to be with you guys today. Let's, let's pray. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. Father, I thank you that we get to come around your word. And I pray that you will challenge us, inspire us, and equip us to be all that we are supposed to be. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Last week, uh, Cookie shared from this idea that Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king. Today, I want to share the idea that Jesus is also the servant. Jesus, the servant. Uh, I love this thought that Jesus, in all of his majesty, being king, can hold power and authority in both hands. And yet the idea that he can still be a servant towards us is something that he's capable of doing. There is there's nothing, he doesn't shy away from it, he doesn't walk away from it, but he holds both power and authority, but still decides to be a servant. And for some of us, that idea can be a bit of an oxymoron. And we can think to ourselves, you can't be a king and you can't be a servant at the same time. Those two don't really coexist. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he can do both. Which indicates to us that there is nothing too big for him, nothing too hard for him to accomplish in life. Jesus can be both a king and a servant. Now understand, it's not the kind of servant that takes orders from us. We are not his masters like Alfred to Bruce Wayne or to uh, Jeffrey to the Smith family. He's not a servant in that respect. We're not his masters, but he is here to help us in our daily walk. If you open up your Bibles to John chapter 13, John chapter 13, we're going to read from verse 1 to 17. Uh, I'm going to read from the New International Version. And uh, it says this. It was just before Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come to him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Bit of an obvious thing there, really. If I'm coming towards you, I'm going to wash your feet with some water and a towel. But Simon Peter needs to be uh, needs clarification here. Uh, Jesus replied, saying, "You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you'll understand." No, said Peter, "You will never wash my feet." Jesus answered, "Unless I wash you, you have no part with me." Then Lord Simon Peter replied, "Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well." Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him and that was why he said not everyone was clean. 
When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you, not, do you understand what I've done for you, he asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I say to you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you've seen these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. First, we need to understand that the servant serves. The servant serves. I think we're family. I think we can share um, some honest truths about ourselves to one another. Uh, one of my things is that I really like feet. I, I don't know why, but if I see people's feet, I have to look at them. I have to stare at them and see if they're painted, if they're coloured, how they're shaped. Um, Ima was on stage, and I, all I could do was look at her feet. I, I don't know what it is about feet, but I like looking at feet. I think it says a lot about you as a person. I like feet so much, I was doing some research on the internet, and I was reading uh, some documentation, some paper about feet, and the title of this document, this paper, was Personality Identification System Based on Human Foot Anatomy. Wow. This person had written a whole paper on how your feet say something about your personality, which told me I'm not the only weird person on this planet. <laughs> there are other feet lovers as well. If I see Sherry's feet, I just look, oh, four, you've got very nice feet. I don't know what it is about feet that I just have to look. You know, there are five basic types of feet in this world. There's the Egyptian foot. The Egyptian foot means that your toe, your, from your big toe to your little toe, it goes down in a, a nice little angle. Uh, it says that this kind of person, they love pampering. They, they have a natural eye for aesthetics like mountains and rivers and anything that involves nature. These people are really sweet and friendly. They're pretty private and hidden, have hidden depths. Then there's the Roman foot. Uh, this is where your first three toes are the same size and the remaining ones are a bit shorter. Uh, this kind of person is well-balanced. Typically someone who's outgoing and sociable. Um, they love learning new things and they open themselves up to new experiences and cultures. I know some of you are thinking, what kind of feet do I have? Do I take my socks off and find out? Then there's the Greek foot. Then there's the Greek foot. Uh, this is one where the second toe is the longest. It protrudes forward uh, in relative to the others. Anyone who has this type of foot uh, is very active, sporty, creative in nature. They're always ready to take on new adventures and tasks. But this person can be impulsive, which is sometimes leads to excessive stress. Then there's a the German foot, which means the big toe is the biggest out of the, all of them, and the reign of four are just below. This person... Uh, is, is known for being tolerant and, sim, uh, per, and synthetic. Uh, synthetic? Um, that's the word I'm trying to say. Thank you very much. Uh, they have an unwavering loyalty to family and friends. Then there's the Celtic foot. This is where the big toe is short, the second toe is longer than the rest, and then the, then the, the crease is in a weird, weird order. Well, it's not, I'm not the one who wrote this. People who fall into this category are dynamic and can do many things at the same time. They are often impulsive. I'm going to give you a bonus foot. This is a bonus foot. This is the square foot. This is where all the toes are the same size. That's, that's weird. Um, they're also called, and I'm sorry if this is your foot, the peasant's foot. Okay? I did not write this, I'm sorry, I apologise. But this shape signifies that you are a practical person and a planner at heart and you love weighing up all the options before making a decision. 
Why do I tell you this? I think we kind of misunderstand the point or the significance of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples because we don't really care about toes and feet in 2022. We like to hide our feet from the world. But in, in, in Jesus' time, the feet would have been a somewhat important factor. Uh, close your eyes for me. Imagine what it would have been like walking down the street, uh, sweating, uh, the, the road being filthy and dirty, and there's all types of rubbish on the floor, and uh, there's urine, and there's other excrements. It's, it's not a pleasant thing to walk through. Your feet are being caked with dirt and bacteria and sweat, and everything is molded together to create a crust around the foot, and it comes to dinner time or lunchtime, or tea time, or any which way you like to call it. Tables would have been low, which meant that when they were sitting down, they were close to the feet of other people. They would have, some people would have laid down as well, and so washing feet at that time would have been a very important situation for them because they're at the communal meal. When you read in verse 4, Jesus, um, he took up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped the towel around his waist. What Jesus was doing was getting ready to wash his disciples' feet. They would have been dumbfounded in this moment that their, their king, their leader, their teacher, that their God was doing something that the servant should be doing, that the lowliest amongst them would be doing. Jesus was doing something that he shouldn't in the natural be doing, but was trying to teach them a lesson. If anything, it should have been disciples that were washing the feet of Jesus. That's why we get Peter's response in verse 8 when he says, No, you shall never wash my feet. But I love that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, Jesus came to serve. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 7 says, Who, being in the very nature God, talking about Jesus here, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. What we see here is that Jesus is God. He's equal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He is God. It's not part, a fraction. He's not a a smidge or below. He is God. But he took on this serving role. He became a human. Why? So you and I could actually relate to him. So we can understand him a little better. Which for me indicates that if my Jesus can do certain roles, I too can do certain roles. There's nothing too big for him, which means there's nothing too big for me. Uh, years ago, we had a lock-in, a, a sleepover at our church, and we invited one of the pr- previous leaders to come down because he was great at games and hosting. And so at two o'clock in the morning, he said, oh, Reg, I'm going home now. I said, cool, sure. Thanks for coming. Uh, I'll see you soon. Three minutes later, he comes back and he says, oh, I just want to let you know that the toilet is, is flooded. I thought, oh, okay, cool. I mean, you could have tied it up and then whatever, no problem. So I, I walked into the, the toilet and it wasn't just one of the urinals. Three of them were blocked with tissue and it was over flooding. And I started panicking, thinking, oh, what do I do? What do I do? Uh, let me just call some of my, my up-and-coming leaders and they can come and clean this mess up. Uh, and then it twigged into my brain. By the time I called them, I could just sort out the mess myself. I could just do this and be done with it. And so I stuck my hand into the urinal, took out the tissues and threw them away, cleaned up and then carried on the night and no one knew about it. Why? because it was worth it for the experience of the people that were around us. 
And I ask this question, well, why do you serve? Why, why do you serve? Is it to, it's to help people understand uh, that everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and that anything is possible. The reason why you serve on a Sunday on the, on the welcome team is to ensure that people feel loved and cherished and feel like this is a home for them, to make them feel like anybody is welcomed in this place. The reason why you serve in the kids' department is to show them, the children, that they can have a relationship with Jesus despite their young age. The reason why we serve on the the tech team on the youth team or whatever team that you serve in is to help people find the goodness and grace of Jesus there is nothing too difficult for you because Jesus has showed you that there is an example the second reason is that the servant examples how to live the servant examples how to live in Luke chapter 22 the disciples are arguing about who the greatest amongst them is and Jesus has to kind of tell them, hey, listen, it's not how we kind of do things here. Uh, you kind of have to serve and, you know, that's the way we want to do things. And so you have people who are arguing about who the greatest is amongst them. And Jesus is telling them, you need to serve. So when the opportunity of washing each other's feet arises, it doesn't twig in their mind, oh, this is an opportunity to serve my brothers, to serve those who I love, to serve those who I care about. This was their moment to serve and they didn't do it. So Jesus had to example how to serve one another. In verse 15, Jesus says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So what area is Jesus saying that you should be more like him, an example? What area in your life is he challenging you? Is he, is he making you aware that you need to be better in this particular area? Is it showing kindness? Jesus touches the untouchable in Matthew chapter 8. One day Jesus is making his way down the mountainside and a man with leprosy emerges and, and, and is asking and kneels before Jesus and he's asking, can you heal me? Can you make me whole? And what does he do? He makes him clean simply by touching him. I love this interaction because what Jesus is doing, he's breaking all the laws, all the boundaries set by society to touch the untouchable by showing kindness. In one touch, Jesus not only heals him, but gives him the gift of being clean. Back in those days, lepers were outcasts and, and could not be touched by anyone. The stigma being attached uh, to being unclean in the Jewish society is horrible. So lepers were unclean. They were on the list of being with the pigs and Jesus not only restored his skin maybe his limbs but also gave him a new status in life simply by the act of kindness Jesus was example in kindness is it forgiveness we need to be people who can forgive constantly uh, we've got this thing in our household where um, some of us don't know how to use a microwave properly and some of us is someone in, our, in this room right now our old microwave, um, someone, Sherry, <coughs> would leave 13, she, if, if you needed a microwave for one minute, right, she would put in one minute 30 and then would leave 17 seconds to go. So I, who now needs to use the microwave next, have to now undo that time to then reset. I like food, so this is like wasting time that I could be eating. <laughs> and if I kept harboring on about this and kept bringing this up, I'm not showing forgiveness towards my wife, but she's learned the errors of her ways and she's been, she's been forgiven because she's learned to do right now. And so our marriage is okay. Our marriage is okay. So I might rant and rave, but 
I have to forgive. I have to forgive. Forgiveness means not keeping records of doing wrong. Not going back to the well and beating a drum and saying, oh, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. It, it, it takes offence and pushes it to one side and says, I'm going to forgive you. I'm choosing to forgive you. It's you not feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offence or flaw that they have made. In Matthew chapter 18, Peter comes to Jesus and asks this question, how many times must I forgive someone? Peter was trying to show how smart he was and, 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 and show how forgiving he was in this relation. So he wanted, uh, uh, and so he offers um, Jesus the answer of seven times. And so Jesus answers seven times 70. See, Jewish rabbis at the time taught that uh, forgiving someone more than three times was unnecessary. In Amos chapter 1, verse 3 to 13, where uh, God forgives Israel, Israel's enemy three times and punished by them, by, forgiving, by offering forgiveness more than double that of the Old Testament example, Peter is perhaps waiting to be said to him, oh, you've done really well, well done, you, you're forgiven more than what is actually expected of you. But Jesus responds that forgiveness should be offered 490 times, far beyond what Peter was expecting to hear. It must, it must have stunned the disciples who were listening. And Jesus was rejecting the teaching of the religious leaders saying that we should forgive, 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 forgive until you can't remember the offense anymore. Keep forgiving, keep forgiving, keep forgiving. Why do we forgive? Because ultimately when there was a conflict between God and humanity, God decided to forgive you and I. And so it's only, our only responsible reaction is to forgive those around us. Jesus' examples, what it means by speaking life. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says how there's power in life, uh, power of life and death in our tongues. How are you using yours? Do you build people up? Do you tear people down? Is it negativity that you're constantly spewing? Or are you speaking life and hope and destiny into people's situations? Are you bringing them up closer to Jesus? Or are you pushing them further away with your words? Is it wisdom? Jesus' examples wisdom to us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 in the Amplified says, Therefore see that you walking carefully, living life with honour, purpose and courage, shunning those who tolerate and enable evil, not as the unwise, but as the wise, sensible, intelligent, discerning people. We have to be prepared for the world that we live in. You're going to be placed into situations that you're going to need wisdom to know how to negotiate. Do you go to Jesus and ask him for, for his wisdom? Showing love. Jesus examples what it means to show love. How do you speak to your loved ones? How do you display the acts of kindness of those who are less fortunate than yourself? During lockdown, I am... Um, again, I think we can be honest with one another, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So during lockdown, I, I kind of struggled for a little bit. Uh, I struggled in the sense that uh, I started to get irritated by those in my house. Um, the way they did certain things started to annoy me. Um, they would... Okay, so if you go to the toilet and you found tissue in the toilet, the natural response once the tissue is finished is to replace the tissue, right? That's what you should do. So the next person doesn't have to... Some people in my house would not do that. So when I'm ready to go, I can't go because I've done have to find tissue in the house. And so I found myself, myself saying some interesting words to my family members. 
And uh, God dropped into my heart, well, you kind of need to be kind to these people. You live with them. And so I wrote to my fridge, be kind and use wise words as a daily reminder of what I'm supposed to do. So when tissue is finished, I say, oh, Jesus, you're good. <laughs> and I walk away. The choice of how to be kind is example to us by Jesus. The question, friends, is will you follow him? Jesus gives us so many different examples of how we should live our lives. The question is, will you follow him? The last thing is that the servant offers salvation. The servant offers salvation. I wonder if the band would come up and join me. When you look back at the text in John chapter 13, what you see here is that Jesus is still teaching us a few more things here. Peter and Jesus have this dialogue about washing feet and washing more of the body and and Jesus explains what it means to be washed by him. And we come to Jesus to be cleansed in terms of our salvation and our sins. What Jesus did on the cross for us is is a one-time deal. It's powerful enough that we, we just need to go to him once and we'll be forgiven of our sins. We just need to be washed by him. How do we know that this is the case? In the same way that Jesus came to wash us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, God demonstrates his love for us in that whilst we were still sinners, whilst we were far away from him, whilst we didn't want to know him, whilst we were distant from him, Christ Jesus died for you and for myself. I love this idea that Jesus came to serve in this particular way. He came to serve so that you and I can have a relationship with God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, the last remaining part says, And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. He offers you this opportunity to be in right standing with God. No longer do you need to be held down by your guilt. No longer do you need to be held down by your pain or your shame. No longer do you need to be held down and think that your sin counts against you, you have the opportunity to stand right before God. I love this idea that when Jesus got down on his feet to wash the disciples' feet, it was a symbolic act of coming down from heaven onto earth and rolling around in the dirt with us. It means that regardless of what we've seen, what we've experienced, what we've felt, regardless of our past, regardless of what we've been through, what we've experienced, regardless of our bank account statements, regardless of our gender or our race or our sexual orientation or what we've been through or seen, we can come before Jesus and he can wash us clean. I love this slogan that you guys have. Everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect and anything is possible. That's what Jesus says to you. Everyone's welcome. Everyone has an opportunity to stand beside me. There's nobody perfect amongst you. If you think the person next to you is perfect, you might be in love, but they're not perfect. I love this idea that anything's perfect. That God would take a prostitute and change their life completely. That God will take the woman who's at the well, who's been with all these men and turns into one of the best and most fantastic evangelists the world has ever seen. I love this idea that God would take a tax collector who nobody liked and bring him to a place where he's actually the person who gives the most. 
I love it that God would take a fisherman who had these practical skills and God would use it to bring people into the kingdom of God. Anything's possible. Anything's possible so far as you sit at the feet of Jesus. The question, friends, is will you accept it? I'd love to pray for two sets of people this morning. And if you're online, this is applicable to you as well. But the first one I want to pray for is for people who they've heard this truth that Jesus is real, that Jesus is for them, but you can't accept it. You can't accept the fact that your past no longer means anything to him. And you're wondering, how do I move forward in life with this? Do I walk, it, walk with it as, in, as a suitcase and say, oh, you know, I was once this all the time and this, that and the other? And God said, I just need you to live in complete freedom that I bought for you. The Bible tells us that who the Son sets free is free indeed. And so I'd love to pray for people who are struggling with that freedom concept. You've accepted Jesus, but you're still living with some baggage. And with every eyes closed in the room today, every head bowed, you're saying, I'm struggling with this sense of freedom Mentally, I can't get to grips with it. Physically, I don't quite understand it. I'm going to pray for breakthrough in your life today. And if that's you, please just raise your hand so I know who I am praying for. You said, I want to live in complete freedom, complete freedom in Christ. I don't want to be held down by my past. Fantastic. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. So I just want to live in complete freedom. I see your hand as well. see your hand Father I thank you right now for those in the room who are saying I've surrendered my life to you and I want to live in freedom Father I pray that they will be breakthrough in their thinking and their mindset right now in Jesus name Holy Spirit I pray that you will cause a change in their thinking and in the way that they act that God they will live in complete freedom Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, I pray. I want to pray for a second group of people. You have never, ever made a decision to follow Jesus in your life. You have never made a decision to to come and sit by the feet of the one who examples what true love looks like. You've never made a decision to say, I want to give God my whole life and live by what he says. I'd love to pray with you this morning. If that's you, please raise your hands so I know who I'm praying for just raise your hands fantastic God we praise you wonderful church repeat these words after me Father I thank you for your goodness and your grace I thank you for your son Jesus that he died and rose again I believe in the truth of who he is. Help me be who I'm supposed to be. Holy Spirit, come, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you said that prayer, we are so excited for you. We have a prayer team that would love to pray with you and walk that journey with you. 
understand friends that Jesus came here to serve you and I that Jesus came to be our example and wonderfully he came to offer us salvation choice is always ours whether we're going to do it or not let's stand as we worship the King of Kings our Jesus